It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. I'm Sarah. And I'm Beth. We co-host Pantsuit Soup Politics, a podcast seeking nuance in political conversation. Along the way, we've realized the rest of life is filled with nuance, too. So we come here each week to commemorate the moments in our lives, moments beyond birthdays, weddings, and funerals, that deserve celebration. It's an opportunity to see ourselves in a new season and to reflect on the messiness of living wisely. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Nuanced Life. We are here with more commemorations, but before we get started, we would love if you would rate and review The Nuanced Life on iTunes. It helps more people find the podcast and does some easy promotion for people who might want to share some commemorations in their life. We are going to get started with a commemoration, very powerful commemoration from Kellyanne. She says, I am commemorating my last menstruation cycle. I will have a radical hysterectomy on January 7th to resolve years of pain, excessive bleeding, and cancer scares. I am 33 years old. I had cancer as a teenager and am at significant risk for secondary cancer like endometrial and ovarian. I was advised that conceiving and carrying a child would require donor eggs and not be advised because of the damage my heart has already endured from chemotherapy. Despite all this, I still mourn this change. I know breaking up with my uterus, as I've seen many people describe the surgery, is the best thing for my long-term health. I know the hormone therapy will be easier than the hormones I take now. And I know not having to worry about pain and bleeding being a sign of cancer will be good for my mental health. Yet part of me is still sad for this body parts removal. That is such a definitive part of the female experience. Thank you again for the space to think about things like this. I found this so incredible. Also because a friend of mine in my personal life just had a hysterectomy. I've been reading a lot about Lena Dunham's journey with her own hysterectomy And I'm so happy that these stories that these women are going through are being shared. I can't fathom how lonely that experience was just five years ago, 10 years ago. And I hope that it's becoming less lonely because it is a reality for so many women. And it shouldn't be something that they have to go through alone and that they feel like they can't talk about. And so I'm just I'm just really happy that this is becoming a story that's being shared more and more often because I, it's an incredibly difficult decision-making, difficult thing to go through. And like I said, I don't think anybody should have to go through it alone. I think especially someone this young, it's a mm-hmm. really powerful thing to share that story because it's just not something that you think about in your early 30s. Do you remember much about the movie Aaron Brockovich? Yeah, a little bit. So I watched it and there was a part of it that As young as I was and as inexperienced as I was with topics like this, I was so struck by this scene when Julia Roberts is visiting a woman who has had breast cancer. She's had a mastectomy, a double mastectomy. She's had a hysterectomy. And she says something like, you know, when you don't have a uterus and you don't have breasts anymore, are you even a woman? Mm. I don't know why as a teenager that 
hit me as so powerful, but it led me in college to do a project for a class on infertility and, you know, just trying to think about the sociological support that's out there for people struggling with infertility. And at the time, there was not much. And I am glad that we're making progress on these issues. I think there is something that we just can't really name whenever we're going through any kind of gynecological issue as women. I I feel this really profound sense of sadness anytime I even think something might be wrong, whether it is or isn't. And it's different than the way I feel when my shoulder hurts. Mm -hmm. There's such a complicated history there because I think both it is presented as a cure-all too easily to older women experiencing problems. I have so many women, particularly in this, there's a history in the South of being like, well, just get a hysterectomy, which is really complicated because of the hormone replacement therapy and it, the studies on that. And so I think it's both used as sort of a fix-all for older women in ways it shouldn't be. And at the same time, particularly with younger women, because it's so tied up um, with our ideas about fertility and femininity, it's not used as a solution when it really should be my, I think, Lena Dunham's story speaks to this where she's, I mean, she basically had to check herself into the hospital and say, I'm not leaving until you take this out. I can't take, I can't do this anymore. And my own friend was sharing that she had doctors just ignore her, ignore her and say, she knew that this was a problem. She knew that this could be a real solution. And she went through all these other very expensive treatments, knowing that this was the best solution for her all along. And I think it speaks to the way we don't take women's pain seriously, particularly when it revolves around their reproductive organs. And I think it's both, like I said, too easy of a solution sometimes at a certain frame of life and not easy enough in another frame. And it just, you know, because it's tied up so in such complicated ways with what a, what it means to be a woman and how our fertility is is so linked to that identity. And I just hope we're breaking some of that down. I really do. And I feel for medical professionals because... My sense is that we still just don't understand hormones well Mm -hmm. and completely. Maybe we understand some hormones well in some limited ways, but I think that there's just this whole – there still seems to be so much mystery around what we feel, both physically and psychologically. And I can imagine that when you are advising a patient on something like this, you're dealing with the calculus of, well, how she feels about this today might very well be – quite different than she feels about it a year from now. And that's just, that's true and fair. And it doesn't mean that we ignore her today, but I can see it making it difficult to to properly advise someone and really help talk through all the choices that are available. I think I just get frustrated because I am more than willing to give all kinds of grace to medical professionals and the medical community because there is not complete knowledge on so, so many things we're surrounding the human body, but particularly women's bodies and hormones. We don't really understand the gut. We definitely don't understand the brain. Like, I'm willing to give grace on that. What's frustrating is that so often when you have an experience with the medical community, there isn't that acknowledgement that, hey, I don't know. Like, I don't know what's going on here. I don't have complete information about this part of the body. It's presented so definitively. 
that it stops conversation instead of saying, hey, we don't know, so let's talk through your particular body and what you think might be going on because I don't have complete scientific information about how hormones act. It's just, well, whatever information we have right now is treated as complete information. Well, it might be our complete understanding, but surely we can acknowledge that that is not the end of knowledge with regards to how the human body works. And that that's my frustration, I think. You know what I've been thinking about lately that is so tied to what you just said? I was talking with someone recently about how whenever I say I don't know or whenever I hear I don't know, for me, the trust in the relationship goes through the roof. Mm -hmm. I instantly trust someone who is willing to say, I don't know about this. Or when I talk with a potential client, you know, I'll always say, like, I'll be honest with you. If I'm not the right fit for you, I'm I'm going to tell you. You know, let's talk for a little while, but I'm going to tell you if I don't think I'm the right person. And you can feel the trust in the relationship go up just by that acknowledgement. Mm. When I talk with a doctor who says there are lots of options here and I'm not sure which one will work, I feel so confident in that person. But I think that's because for three years we've been talking about how many things we don't know. Yeah. regularly and routinely. And I think we don't reflect the general population. And that's something we have to work on. Think about how like people joke about meteorologists, for example, in such a nasty way. Like you have one job to get the weather right and you can't even do that. Of course they can't do that. Of course not. Yeah, what they seriously. do is fantastic and amazing and mind-blowing if you step back to really think about what they're trying to do. And we're so ugly about it. And I do think a lot of people have the sense of I should be able to walk into my physician and be prescribed something that I do nothing but put it in my mouth and swallow it and I instantly feel better. Mm -hmm. And of course, we're limiting the quality of care and discussion we can have when that's our perspective. We do the same thing to teachers. I mean, almost every profession has an element of the intolerance of the general public for uncertainty. And we got to work on that. We're going to take a quick break and share a little bit about Katie's experience this week in her family in a very powerful commemoration. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Skylight Frame is a photo frame you can update instantly by email from anywhere. It sets up effortlessly in under 60 seconds. Just plug in, use the touchscreen to connect your wireless network, and enjoy. Sending photos to Skylight is effortless. Everyone in the family can just email to your personal Skylight email address, and they'll pop up in seconds. It has a black frame and white mat, so it looks like a real photo frame that adds a beautiful touch to your home. Skylight Frame has a gorgeous 10-inch touchscreen. You can swipe through photos with your finger and even tap to thank the person who sent a photo. 100% satisfaction guaranteed. If you don't love your Skylight, they'll offer you a full refund. You can preload it with your favorite photos for a personalized gift, import pictures of you and your significant other, spouses, grandparents, whoever, that they didn't even know you had. And I think this gift is amazing. We've been talking about how hard it is to find gifts, particularly for grandparents. This thing was made for that. 
If I'm never on a family group text with a family photo again, that would be fine with me. I'm just going to put that out there. And so this is such a good solution. Like every you text it or you email it to the person and then they get it. And I just I think it's such a such a wonderful gift. And it really is pretty, too. It's a beautiful frame. And as a special holiday offer, you can get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com and enter code LIFE. That's right. To get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame, just go to skylightframe.com and enter code LIFE. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Com, promo code LIFE. Songfinch is a personalized gifting company that brings stories, feelings, and memories to life through a one-of-a-kind songs. With personalized songs starting at $99 and delivered within seven days, their community of professional songwriters will handcraft the best gift you can give. Personalized songs start at $99 and are delivered within seven days. Songfinch has a songwriting community of 300-plus professional musicians, and it's growing. Your song lives on a personal URL called your story homepage, where you can listen and download the song, read the lyrics, learn about your songwriter, and share your song. And so I made a song on Songfinch for my daughter, Jane. Jane is seven. I went through Songfinch's very easy process. It's almost like filling out a Mad Lib. You know, it talks about things you like to do with this person, ways you care about them, what really makes you excited about them. And then you choose some things about the song itself. I loved that you could choose whether you wanted a female or a male artist. You could choose kind of the genre of music, how you wanted the person to feel when they heard the song. And here for you now is the song that Song Finch created for Jane. And I will be honest, I'm not typically the teary one in this duo but every time I listen to it it does bring on the waterworks I think it is such a wonderful thing that I'm really going to treasure with Jane especially as she grows up great big sister little Ellen and even though you're growing up so fast use promo code life for $20 off your personalized song from scratch to share this commemoration from Katie, and we love that Katie sent it to us in her own voice so you can hear exactly what's happening in her family. Hey guys, I had a commemoration for the Nuanced Life this week. Um, We are taking our son for his first inpatient hospitalization for uh, mental health problems, uh, behavioral disorder, and um, it's a big deal because it's our... um, We have to acknowledge that this is completely beyond us and him. And um, as much as we all say that, uh, you know, if you had another kind of illness, you would not think twice about taking someone to the hospital. Our world is still very much um, 
uncomfortable with mental health illnesses, especially for children. Um, so there's a lot of shame and guilt and, um, yet we've been really surrounded by love and support. So that's really wonderful. So I think things are starting to shift in that way. And so I want to, um, just, we're marking this as a, as a moment for our family. And, um, I hope that it's something that we'll look back on and say, this was the best decision we ever made. First, I want to say how much I appreciate Katie sharing this. I think it's an incredibly powerful thing to be able to step out of a moment as stressful as hospitalizing your child, to be able to think about what this means for your family and how it affects all of you. Yeah, I was very impressed by that. I thought like, man, I mean, I also, but you know what? That speaks to her strength. It speaks to the fact that she's been dealing with this and thinking about this carefully and conscientiously. And I think in a, an incredibly powerful way for both herself and her family to be able to do that, that speaks to that, that strength and that ability for sure. One of the things that has been most powerful in my life from yoga is that idea of the witness observer, Mm -hmm. that we are more than just what our thinking brain spits out and that we can, if we choose to, practice the skill of going beyond ourselves and looking at the bigger picture of the situation. And I think that's what Katie has done here. I'm also really happy to hear that Katie is finding so much support in the community of people around her, despite this being a topic that we're just, we're just missing on as a society, right? We take two steps forward and 15 back in the way that we talk about mental health and we're doing better and we need to do so much better. We got another email today um, related to a conversation on pantsuit politics about mental health and just the way people tend to talk about mental health in connection with gun violence. Mm-hmm. And the person was saying, I agree that we need to be thinking about mental health in connection with gun violence, but talking about crazy people is not the approach. No. And It affects every single person who is struggling with any kind of mental health issue. And like that's going to be almost all of us at some point in life when we talk that way. I'm really trying to take the word crazy out of my vocabulary, to be honest. I just think that we, for better or for worse, we use it as a pejorative. It is a very, I mean, just by definition, that the idea that something out of the normal is bad, that something out of the normal in an extreme way is, 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 I mean, it's bad. I mean, it's like using gay as a pejorative. I just think that, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to perpetuate a overly PC culture, but the way we think about mental health has got to change and it's very, very difficult and it's going to get harder as we keep using this language that perpetuates the idea that, you know, a phrase I think about a lot is from the movie about Temple Grandin and how her mother always said, it makes me tear up, different, not less. And I think that just using language like that doesn't, it doesn't teach our children different is not less. It teaches us, our children, that different is bad. And I don't want to do that. So I think that that's something we all have to think about as we try to reframe our ideas and conversations surrounding mental health. In a way, it's exactly what we were talking about with a hysterectomy. You're a woman who is having a uterus removed, right? And when you are struggling through a mental health issue, you are a child whose whose brain is tripping you up, right? Or getting mm-hmm. stuck in some way. And and I think we 
we need to understand that while it affects everyone around you quite differently than if you're having a knee replacement or something like that, your experience is still a person dealing with an issue. And we have to treat that issue and care about you and hold you up as a person. The same person, the same person who's there when you are not being challenged in this way by your own body. I think that's really hard, though. I struggle with, should we, you know, we always say we need to treat mental health like physical health. But should we? Because we're not great at that either. The idea that we talk about our bodies or our minds as separate from who we are. And I understand the idea of, like, trying to explain to children, well, your brain is telling you a story that's not helpful. And it's just really hard, I think, to find space because that is powerful and it's important. It's sort of the whole reasoning be- behind mindfulness. Let's let's be attentive. Let's observe. Let's see this as something that is happening but is not who we are. Sometimes that narrative is less than helpful and you have to talk about it in very careful ways because I don't want to perpetuate the idea that like, well, your your brain is screwed up. Because I, I think the biggest issue with mental health is that the person begins to feel like a problem. I think One of the most amazing stories I heard that really helped me think through mental health issues in a different way was there was a season of Invisibilia where they talked about this. One of the co-producers' sisters had mental health issues, and she talked about how her family felt, and they followed this amazing—I think it was a community in the Netherlands somewhere—where people came and just lived with other families who had mental health issues. They weren't treated as a problem to be solved. And— there's all these interesting studies about around people with addiction and like people who go to halfway houses after treatment do better than people who go home to their families because there's this narrative of like your problem to be solved, your problem to be fixed. And I think that how we how we talk about this can really, if we're not very, very careful with our language, perpetuate that narrative that there's something wrong with you we're trying to fix. Yeah. And I I mean, I don't agree with that narrative about most physical issues either. Right. Like I have fibromyalgia. It's not going to get fixed. Mm -hmm. It's not going to get fixed. It's how do I live with it and how do I live the best life that I can with it? I think that when I talk about that separation, it's the paradox, the same paradox that exists with mindfulness. Mm -hmm. You make that separation so that you can see the integration. Yeah, it's so true. You have to find that space. We talk about this with politics, too. We say you need enough space between your values and your politics to be able to see both of them clearly. So that then you can put them back together, understanding how they really fit together. And that's what I think about the way that we deal with any issue that impacts our bodies and minds and spirits. We have to be able to kind of hold them on their own to see them clearly so that then we can see the relationship and be looking at it as a whole person. Yeah. And and some of that is going to need treatment and support. And some of it is going to need adaptation and adjustment in life. Right. Mm -hmm. And some of it's going to need recalibration, but none of it takes that person and makes them something other than who they've always been. Yeah, totally agree. Well, thank you for joining us for another episode of The Nuanced Life. We love your commemorations. Please keep them coming. We are really excited to hear your commemorations around the holidays because I think the holidays especially create little moments that we don't name very often that can lead to a lot of joy and a lot of pain and some unnecessary suffering because we don't acknowledge them. So send those our way. We will be back with you here next week. You can hear us on Pantsuit Politics on Friday and Tuesday between now and then. Keep it nuanced, y'all.
Month's Life is produced by Dylan Garvin. Elise Knapp is our production assistant. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. The Nuance Life is listener supported. For $5 a month, you'll receive an extra episode of The Nuance Life at patreon.com slash The Nuance Life. You can connect with us on our website, thenuancelife.com, and follow us on Instagram.